I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Diminishing the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed In the rent room, we let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Chris, with your mouth full? 2019. <laughs> 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 On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. <laughs> but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, Craft and shit like that. <laughs> Lisa Bolacaja is out today, but we got my man Chris Derrick in the house over there with his mouth full. <laughs> uh, Writer, producer, director himself. Uh, <clears throat> I'm good, man. I was down at WonderCon <laughs> yesterday. Oh, you went? Uh huh. Did you see Deadly Class or did you just pause by? I had to get out because I think they're, I mean, I wanted to, but their panel was on at 7 30. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get back to watch that screening oh, of us. So right. I didn't see it. But, but I had a great time. I hadn't been to WonderCon. I'm like, Maybe four or five years. Okay. Um, it's crazy because, like, because I get the badge every year. <laughs> um, well, this is why. Because I was telling my friend this, I was like, um, once you get the professional status, mm-hmm. which means it's free to go, right. and you can go to WonderCon and Comic Con. You, you just got to, but you, but you got um, to, you got to fill out the application. To, well, you, well, you got to opt in. Right. You know. Yeah. And the thing is, the one time where, and you get like three years, uh, you know. You're in, and then for, for the extra check again. Mm-hmm. But the one time that I let it lapse to to prove that I was, you know, this WGA thing. You mm-hmm. know, it's not just the, the card is not enough. They need all like some last jobs that you did. Mm-hmm. I was going to I was like, <laughs> I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. That right. is just a lot. Right. And then I was like, I'm going to slide no more. If the, I'm, I'm going to get the badge every year. Mm-hmm. If I go, I can go. If I don't go, I don't go. And if I don't go, I just I just give the badge to a friend of mine who are, who are looking. So. Um, but I had a good time. I I only bought one thing. Mm-hmm. I had to really keep the, the wallet. <laughs> in really keep it in. He got the can't help us, Rachel. <laughs> um, well, you know because um, the only thing is is that I was down there and I was thinking: Is there any property? Is there any really cool comic that I read as a kid oh, okay. that? I've never heard anyone talk about mm-hmm. in terms of trying to do a show. <clears throat> so I was like going through all these back issue bins going, what? Rachel loves that IP I was going to say, <laughs> IP is my jam. That's what I do. Yeah, it's my favorite. All, I was like going, I, I, think, I was like, this this is done. I've heard this. this IP. I'm, so many IPs are dead <laughs> because they've bought them. They've had the wrong people like do the pilots. Mm-hmm. And then they've they've died. And I was like, there's got to be a few things that I know, just stuff from like the late 70s or early mm-hmm. 80s. And I, and, I, and I found something okay. that I always knew Trying was to keep cool. it on the low. Yeah, Look I was going to say. I, I found something I thought was, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh my God, this is a book that I had only read the first issue of when it came out. Mm-hmm. as a miniseries, a miniseries started coming out, and I never read the final of it. Hmm. And then, I, and I never picked it up. 
during the in the last thirty some years. Wow. And then they had it all there, like all collected. And mm. I was like, I'm just gonna buy it because I don't know what the first issue is. <laughs> I'm just gonna buy it all right now. Um, so I did that, and that was my only buy. Like I was tempted to buy. Um, these metal, you know, like uh, you know, like the role playing dice, you know, mm-hmm. and and it's, and it's not that I play role playing games anymore. I used to, but I like the percentile dice because when this is something I do as opposed to flipping a coin oh, okay. when I do crazy shit mm-hmm. like oh is this gonna work in the scene? Like, I like this line in the scene or not? Which one's gonna work? I roll the percentile dice. Hmm. I go if I get the odd percent, I'm gonna get, take this line. If I, if I roll the even percent, I'm gonna take this line because I can't decide. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I've literally never heard of that. I've never heard of that. That's, I've learned something. You know, that's funny. because I'm just like what if, I'm because you know because sometimes you're writing. Well, for me, I'm writing and I'll and I'll write alts like oh this line right. was. Was, I see it out loud. I he writes it all on hand first. Yeah, I can't okay. figure out what is better. And then when I'm <clears> typing it out, I'm like, I can't figure. <laughs> I just rolled a dice. I'm going to pitch that to my writers and see, see what their feedback like, is. No, 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 you know it's good. I was like, sometimes you don't until you That's hear right. it. Um, <laughs> and now he's not, like, give me some alts. I literally, I was like. So... I wanted so they had these really cool aluminum. I mean, they were aluminum, hmm. and they had this like Jackson Pollock kind of. The guy they said, <laughs> you they, would. They, no, the guy said, the guy said he, they have a whole bunch of music. Like, oh, so, so these are limited edition Jackson Pollock. <laughs> of course they are. You know? Feels right. And but was, you didn't like, get them. I didn't get them. Okay, because right. they were hundred fifty dollars for oh, the yeah, set. And I was like, oh, no. for dice, <laughs> no, yeah, to pick Damn. alts. That's crazy. I, have, I, just, I just, You got to invest I, in your career. I, I, sure. No. Sure. No, no, no. <laughs> I already have the regular dice. The regular dice are like $3. That makes more sense. You know. $150 dice That's to get all. <clears throat> See, this is the thing. This is just wild, right? See, I like that because I'm writing this story where this guy has to, um, he has to go get a tarot card deck. And he's like, you, 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 so, you, and this woman's paying him half a million euro to get, the, and he's like, you're paying me half a million dollars to buy, to, like, you know, like for a deck of cards. Right. I need to know some of these deck of cards. <laughs> I really do, because it's a lot of money. Right. You know? How I feel about these dice. Yeah, like, exactly. yeah, that's what I'm more saying. about these that's dice. So I'm saying, you're like, what are you talking about? It's like a little much. It's a little much. I'm like, whew. And the story unfolds. But so I did that. Um, um, I didn't buy any art. I didn't buy any art. I wanted to buy some art, um, but I didn't. And uh, and and it's not like I buy the comic art. The comic art's too expensive. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, I saw this <coughs> Master of Kung Fu cover that I would have loved to buy, but it was eighteen thousand dollars. I was like, Jesus Christ! So it's just way. Rachel said she alone until you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was like, buy the dice, buy the dice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait. Our choice are eighteen thousand or one hundred fifty. Never mind. Take the one fifty. I just bought the comments. Comments for five dollars for that's before that. she says. I was like, that's it. I'm good. <laughs> so welcome to the rant room. Wow. If you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get into the show. We spent like nine minutes talking about nothing. I, I really <laughs> learned a lot. I feel like about you, Chris, real fast. Also, interesting. So, so we got my girl Rachel Miller in the house. Uh, producer, manager. I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch of other stuff. Forgive me. Uh, you know, uh, founding partner founding of Haven, partner. Haven Entertainment, right. have a nonprofit, all mm-hmm. the things. Right. So we met uh, a couple months ago. We were on a panel, and like a, it was like a pitch thing for like the Harvard Harvardwood. What's it called? Harvard Harvardwood. It's not. It's like not the graduate. It's like writer thing, right. but not a graduate thing. Oh, okay. 
And we yes. became fast yeah. friends because we had a lot of thoughts. This one, a right lot here. of thoughts. You and I could have just did the panel by ourselves. We could have just totally, totally... fine. <laughs> it would have been totally fine. I I yeah. still have thoughts. I still have thoughts about that. Then she um, opened her mouth, and I went. Oh, I love this bitch right here. <laughs> same, same. I was like, we can, we're just going to, we're exactly. taking over, right? That's what's happening. Exactly. Like, Hillard and I, we have some thoughts to share with the <laughs> unprepared group of people who didn't even have a notebook while they were pitching. Nothing. What? No. Thank you. I, can we talk oh, about please. it for one oh, second? Oh. Because this is how <clears throat> I knew we were going to be a fast friend. So I think there was eight of us, mm-hmm. 10 of us. All working professionals, Mm. all, you know, at that point, we'd all worked a full day, and it was like 7 to 10. There was no food, Mm. which I had. There was pizza pizza. at some point. And I'm, I am, yeah, yes, (laughs) too old for (laughs) that. I'm suspect. Yeah, too old for pizza. Um, (laughs) They're college kids. They're college (laughs) kids, but nothing for the adults. And so we had all worked, the panelists, we'd all worked a full day. We were coming to give our advice and Mm -hmm. opinion, and they were pitching to us. And I felt, I don't know about your, you know, we all got 10 or 12 people. No one was prepared. No one had practiced. I had one good pitch. I had none. I had one. No one had a notebook and pen. And I had a notebook and pen. I was sitting there writing with notes and no one even brought a pen and paper. And I just was like, (laughs) so we're here giving our time and starving. And no one, all these baby writers who are looking to get in the business weren't even prepared. It's the oddest thing ever. Well, two things. <laughs> <clears throat> well, they also have other kids teaching them is the other Should, problem. Yes. You know yes. I mean? Here's the thing about I don't care where I go. I always have a notebook mm-hmm. where, I mean, I take me, like, if I'm pitching or going to a general, mm-hmm. I have a notebook. Right. Because <clears throat> something I learned is that and I don't do it for their ego. I do it for my knowledge. But people get really, they get, ex- they get excited when they say something and you write it down. I totally agree. I did it in my meeting with yeah. Ridley Scott's company the other like, day. I was oh, like, I have a notebook in my purse right now on a Sunday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not you even kidding. You have alcohol on my bullskin right have, now. You have to have one. Because, pe- because I mean, it's like, Unless you can say to someone, hey, do you mind if I record this conversation mm-hmm. or this seminar? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times at seminars, like, <laughs> I'll record it on my, on my phone. Right. But I'll keep notes, too, because mm-hmm. I need to go what I thought was cool. And, or, like, maybe I'm remembering what they say, and I'm, like, and I'm, and I'm going to write the editorial on right. why that was cool. Paraphrase it or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. you have to have that. And if, and if you don't have that... I might have to send you home. <laughs> I was very vocal me, in my Let me anger. ask you a question. Yes. <laughs> let me ask you a question. Everybody, who, what did we have, like five or six people? I can't remember something. Yeah, like. something like that. <clears throat> Every time somebody started, they would go, okay, so basically it's a story about, and I go, stop. <laughs> Every time. And they're looking at me like, like I haven't even began. And, I'm, and I talked about that word. Yep. Always makes you go, well... It's kind of the story. That's exactly what you're saying. I'm not sure. You know what I mean? We Go both on. talked about it. We right. both talked about confidence. I had this is this is a hundred percent true. I had a guy pitching me, and this is weird. I happened to know the background of what he was pitching because my sister, who's much smarter than I, wrote a paper oh. about um, Juliet and her nurse, and it was actually a lesbian story, whatever. So I actually mm-hmm. knew what he was he was pitching, and so I was like, oh yeah, I know the story. I know, I know. 
And then I was like, well, what makes you an expert? Like, why do you want to tell the story? He goes, oh, well, I didn't bring it up because I didn't think it was important. But I have a historical fiction novel about this time period coming out in a couple months. And I was like... You Dude, should have started with that. Lead, lead with, with that. that. Lead yeah. with that. You yeah. are a subject matter expert in yeah. this thing you're writing. Yeah. Well, see, this like, you know, this is the thing. I, I, they're young. They don't know. Nobody knows when they're young. This is the thing that you have to realize is that almost everything that someone's writing, that there's someone who's doing it who's got five credits. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. So why would I give you the shot <clears throat> unless you are so like tapped into it right. that that person, because the person has five credits probably hasn't done it, but but we trust them that they can Correct. deliver mm-hmm. and they can do the research. But if you can say, hey, I can do this better than anybody because I live this, I've written a book mm-hmm. on it, or you know, or, or, or like I was in the CIA. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure the guy who wrote The Americans, mm-hmm. uh, well, he was in the CIA. During that time, oh, it shows. So, yeah, so, clearly. So, I mean, and that, I think that's yeah. like his first show. So he rolls on. And he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna do the show." Mm-hmm. Well, it was a CIA mm-hmm. show. Just tons of spy shows. Mm-hmm. I live this. Mm-hmm. I was right. doing dead drops, and I was doing yeah. crazy. Oh mm-hmm. shit! Yeah, I'm a no, subject right. matter expert. You right. need me yeah. on this show. Right. And, and leave with that because I was because because I was practicing my pitch that I'm doing mm-hmm. for you, girl. He's got an awesome pitch. Um, and <clears throat> you know. The, and like one of the mistakes is that I was, I was doing it was some friends of mine is they were like you know so much about it when we ask you questions all this stuff comes out mm-hmm. so you gotta be able to like get everyone like interested fast enough okay. so they will ask you questions yep. and that's part of like the gag that I, I don't think people get that's why I always start off with a question start off with a question oh yeah so, yeah or you know, or, or, uh, you know what my, this, like my friend was Steve Bagatorian who I really wanted on the show he was a mm-hmm. big big fan he wrote, he wrote um, uh, he, asked me, he asked for me to say this but he wrote a Tupac movie mm. um, <laughs> and um well, you guys uh, out, your boy just got the new Salt and Pepper movie. I know, uh, I know. I cannot yeah, wait. I know, that's uh, yeah, literally. Yeah, I've known that real for like, excited. like twenty five years. Um, and you think he got the Bobby Brown thing at the, at, at the yeah, end? They won. The they, yeah, won. they won. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm gonna call him today and yeah. have him on the show. Um, but it, but it's one of those things where, 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 um, that, that it's like you, ha- like he was saying, you ask a question to engage someone or you got to open up with some sort of like opening gambit that really puts everyone back on their heels because executives have heard so much and they've developed so much that if you're that if you start your story up in a way and you're pitching it that that they can then begin to fill in the dots mm-hmm. Then you have to like be able to like to read that room and then jump quickly to okay I I, I have to skip things now right. because I can't be like you know for instance like if I've worked out the, the super really long season mm-hmm. but those guys are going oh I get what this is already well then now you got to say well here's the twist at the end of the season right and, you know what and, right. and, but and, and you have to be able to say but I did all that work then that I have to jettison gotcha because they are smart mm-hmm. you know. I mean, a, a lot of what we talk about is this business is a performance business, right? Yeah. You being a great writer is a hundred percent important, but being able to network 
work a room, be mm-hmm. good in a room, right? Learn how to read a pitch, right? That's a huge part of it, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's you've got to have both sides of the same same skill set, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be able <coughs> to see in a pitch and being like, oh, they're distracted, they're bored, let's get to the good parts. Or, oh, I've prepared so much, they've got five minutes, which happens all the time when all they're the time. like, I've got 15 minutes, right. go. How You know, you've got to figure out how to condense. That happens, I can't even tell you how many times that has happened to clients where mm-hmm. a network exec will walk in and be like, this meeting just came up. I have 15 <laughs> minutes for you. And you got to sell that right. show in 15 minutes. Yeah, but, but you also know that that's a, that, that's a tactic that they use. Hmm. Um, because I had that thing when I was with your girl. Mm-hmm. I can't mention her name yet, so I'm saying it, but he knows something about <laughs> I was like, who's the girl? <laughs> I'll tell you all fine. Um, and it's like I came in and, like, and she's running two rooms right now. She's mm-hmm. like, I got 10 minutes. <clears throat> And she was like, "Is there a quick version or is there a long version?" Right. I was like, "Well, I got a quick version, but <laughs> I would, but I've kind of worked this out." She was like, "All right, but I got ten minutes." And my pitch, I timed it out. It was like seventeen and a half. When I did it at home. Mm-hmm. I think it was twenty when I did it. Right. She stayed because mm-hmm. I had her. I got her really quick mm-hmm. and just kept her. And when it was over, she was like, "Hold on." She was she, like, her like her her purple came in and, and <laughs> right. to, to, did the did the point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. did the right. you know, did the, the, You got somewhere to be. She was like, "Hold yeah. on, hold on," mm-hmm. because the network people don't. If it's bad, they want the out. And she was in production. I, yeah. That's yeah. a good pitch. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a, a great pitch. pitch. Yeah, but but <clears throat> to your credit, you knew how to work a pitch to draw someone in. Oh, even, totally. You know, totally. and that's a skill set, right? Well, well, it is because it's like there's two. I'm gonna talk about two things, kind of like preparation. And so I remember one time my brother and I had did a pitch, and we worked on it really, really long time. We pitched to Clint Culpepper, and um, and and Clint was kind of. I mean, you know, he's got a reputation, mm-hmm. and it's like, he'll, and he'd come in there and like he'll interrupt your pitch and start asking you questions about like, you know, like oh, like you know, like go down this rabbit hole for this one question, mm-hmm. but and you got to come back to the thing. And he did it like three or four times. Is that intentional? You think? Or? I don't know if it's intentional or whatever. I, I mean, I, uh, I I don't think it's intentional. I just think it's how his brain works how, or who he is, right? Yeah. I don't think it's malicious. No, no, not right? that. But yeah. it can throw you yeah. if you've kind right. of like planned it. Like, right. my, you know, it's kind of like you got to improv it. And was over, he was like, you guys are, are like one of the best pitchers I've seen. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put you guys on tape and show you to other writers. Mm-hmm. I was like, you ain't doing that. I want you to give me some money. Because <laughs> <laughs> we really work hey. hard. Hey. <laughs> well, trip this. So I, I've been working on this this pitch I'm doing for Ridley Scott's company, right, and, and Reginald Hudland. And I was thinking about, like, what's going to be a cool intro? And I went, well, I always like to start with me, right? So I went... I'm going to shock the shit out of him. I'm going to go, I'm going to start right here. I'm going to go, so what if I was to tell you I was a skinhead? I'm starting right there. Already putting a question. I like it. Yeah, but yeah, right. but yeah. Because but then like, you're, everyone's like, really? Tell what? Me more. Black dude, yeah. skin dude? Exactly. Because what we know is that's what I'm going to come fully dressed. Right? Too. Well, you have to. I'm going to have my it's performance. Yeah. Right. It's performance. I mean, something right. else that, something else that, the, 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 like you said, performance. A lot of it is, this is something that, that my brother and I used to do. Well, we used to pitch and used to, and we used to like jog, kind of like like speed walk around this track right. where we used to live. But now, what I do because I wanted to, um, I wanted to simulate the environment of what it is on me physically to pitch, and it's intimidating. Right. So you're nervous. So what I, so so stuff I've been doing now is I'll take my kettlebell and I'll do like thirty swings. Mm-hmm. To get my heart really fast, <laughs> and then practice the pitch. 
Oh, interesting. Because that because like because that's yeah, where you, that's where, where you usually are. Honest. Well, yeah, because yeah, when you're yeah, pitching, you're smart. like Jesus Christ. These guys are coming here, right, right, right. you know, and, and you're sweating a little bit, and yeah, you're, and, and you're trying to keep your breath down, right. and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm pitching that way. It's not going to be that intense. No, when you do but it. that's it's a good. Smart. That's going to be in there. We tell a lot of our writers, even drama writers, to take improv classes, mm-hmm. right? To learn how to be quick on your feet, right. to a, be able to say yes and, right? Because often, mm-hmm. as you guys know, an executive be like, well, what if? <laughs> <laughs> Aliens came down from the sky, and you have to look at them straight in the eye and be like, that's a good thought, hadn't thought of it, but here's right. something we could do, right? So we encourage, you know, drama writers, regular writers who have no interest in, you know, that kind of world to take the class. You and, should do that, yeah. because the thing is, is that, again, that's people throwing you, and sometimes they're throwing you, some executives will throw you to throw you. Just because they want to test you. Mm-hmm. That's like their thing because they might be intimidated by what you're bringing at them. Right. They might, I don't know anything about this fucking world, Jesus Christ. And that, and, and executives n- never want to feel stupid. Right. So, and that's on to you to kind of like <clears throat> to manage it, to, to manage not making them feel too stupid. Um, <laughs> so, well, well, no, yeah. No, I was just going to say, so so we met at this pitch this event. Really like, off topic, sorry. Welcome to the rant. This is why we're called the rant room because we jump all over oh, the place. I, so let's just give the kids a little bit of who you are and, and uh, how you got into the game and what stuff you're doing right now. Um, That's enough. Okay, so. cool, cool. Um, <laughs> you know, really briefly, I am from L.A., but not in the business. Went to Yeshiva. Didn't know this was a thing, even in L.A. Really? Um, totally hated high school. <laughs> like, really, like, real hate. Um stumbled into film totally randomly and I was like, that's a job. Mm. Um, I saw Lucy Fisher give a speech. I was like, wait, I can like read books and meet people and like get paid. No idea. (laughs) I ended up, uh, getting myself into Tish. Um, you know, my guidance counselor told me not to bother apply. I'd never get in. That was real supportive of my high school. Um, (laughs) Um, I ended up, I could only afford to go to, to Tisch for three years because I was paying my way through it. So mm. I did it in three years. I ended up teaching at a public school in Manhattan, which kind of led me to my nonprofit film to future. Mm. I graduated at 20. I worked for a year at Endeavor and then I worked for a year uh, with the company, Benny Medina's company, mm-hmm. Handprint. Mm-hmm. That was something. Um, <laughs> 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 um, that's an offline conversation. Right. Is that and, the one who works at JLo? Uh huh. Yeah. And then I uh, worked at Red Wagon back oh. with Lucy Fisher for okay. a year, full circle. And then uh, hated being an assistant, mm. quit at 23 to start my own company. Really? Um, with my best friend, Jesse Hara. We, our first year in the business of a baby lit company was during the writer's strike. What? So that was awesome. Um, <laughs> Really, uh, you know, and both of us were very middle class. We had no savings. We had no no family support. You know, we were like, well, you know, if this doesn't work, we're screwed. Because I didn't even have a real degree. Jesse had dropped out of college, and I had a film degree. I was like, oh, if we don't survive this strike, I have no skills. Um, but we grew the company. We merged in 2012 to form Haven Entertainment. We now have 200 clients in a lit side, a talent side, a physical production side. And then, uh, uh, how many managers or reps do you have? Like twenty employees. Uh, I'd say like eight managers and some production people and some assistants. Um, And then we rep like Ben Schwartz Mm -hmm. and Asa Minaj and Michaela Watkins, Mm -hmm. a lot of showrunners. 
Um, and then four years ago, started my nonprofit, Film to Future, to build a real pipeline for underserved youth to get into Hollywood. So that's, was that fast enough? I tried quick. to do it real fast. That was quick. I love that. I love that. I was super quick. <laughs> well, we were talking offline. Chris was saying, you know, he, he would definitely want to come on board and. Uh, yes, I need know. all the help. Yeah. You know, we are a volunteer organization. I just got, you know, when I taught in public school in Manhattan, I saw what I call this socioeconomic drawbridge that gets mm-hmm. drawn up very fast, very early. Right. If you don't have parents at home reading to you and computers and extracurricular activities and SATs, all the things you start falling behind. So then this idea that I've heard a lot is that at 18 to suddenly have the grades and the SAT scores and the PSAT scores and the resume and the portfolio and all the things you need to do to get into NYU or USC, which is $62,000 a year, it's impossible. Well, you know what? I, I tell you this. Um, I really have the biggest gripe with the concept of the meritocracy <laughs> because you didn't got them because started. it's not true. It's not true. <laughs> it's not true. You know, I, I have this movie. I have this pilot. It's called The Soul Cages, and it's about. Um, and it opens up in a way where this guy is—he's—he's kind of like a, a a devilish version of um, Tony Robbins. Mm. He's giving this talk about why the meritocracy is fucking—that's the ultimate lie that's mm. been sold to people in this country. Because it's what you're saying. It's like particularly in Manhattan. You know, they have that thing. They have that the, that really, oh. the, the really top public school in Manhattan. The Stuyvesant that yeah. accepted seven yeah. African yeah. Americans have out of like I think it's like two, th- two or three thousand. I was going to say I think it's two, two thousand or two thousand. Yeah. It's an insane thing, and it's all because it's like the black. It's not just that the black families and the, the Latino families don't have the money to you know to to pay the tutor mm-hmm. you pay that's because that's something that that's something that that like I did for a while like mm-hmm. like I said tutor kids out here so all these kids in like the West Valley who could pay the like the 150 an hour oh yeah to, to, it's to, like 250 to, now yeah, to, to hi- wow yeah yeah to hire a tutor to teach them how to do Shit, the I'm SAT the tutor <laughs> you know can you do a SAT math <laughs> I can't can. yeah, well, well yeah well the thing, the thing I can teach them writing but yeah. the thing about yeah at the time this was like because <clears> I guess they had changed the SAT a few years ago but at the time it was like you know like you basically had to score like a close to a 1600 you know to um, to you know, like to be the tutor. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, and and like I didn't. So you're saying you got a 1600, right? Is that no, what just no, happened? No, I'm mean, not got a 19. <laughs> like, what is that? Is no, that no, what happened? For me, at, at the well, for me, like I didn't get a 1600, <laughs> like like when I was in high school. There's a lot of reasons, but by the time I was I was tutoring somebody like in my late 20s, I. Um, I mean, it's easy at that point for me. Yeah, for me, it was easy that you know the math and the and the language. I was like, that's what the hell is this shit. This is. You know, and which, 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 not me. You know, <laughs> well, I was like, well, okay. I was like, so I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Like, uh, one plus one, carry the two? Or what you do? I still do nine. You don't be carrying no two. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. You carry in division. Exactly. Um, See? <laughs> but, so, so, but I just said to myself, I was like, how do these kids afford? I mean, you know, and then it became this thing more and more. I was looking into how that stuff works with students of color. Is that, but then I realized it's not even that. That's one thing that maybe you could get over. Is that the parents don't even know about these things? I have that, you know. so many crazy stories, but tell, I'll tell you something that I don't know if you know that I learned. So the National Merit Scholarship, which is a huge deal, yeah. is based on 
PSAT scores. Yeah. 10th grade, as I yeah. hit the mic. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to be, like, I, I had to learn how to take the SAT. I crushed English. Math. <laughs> Math, I needed a lot of help, right? So you'd have to be able to afford a tutor in ninth grade right. to prep for 10th grade for National Merit Scholarship. Yeah, the true. whole system is rigged. I mean, I could tell you a hundred horror stories. You know, we have a lot of kids who are DACA kids or who, you know, legal status is, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of them, we, we, I got texts that ICE was doing raids at high schools. Yeah. So parents were not taking their kids to school so because the, they were terrified. Mm-hmm. The kids would get absences. They'd fail a grade. They'd be marked a bad student. Right. And when you go to school with 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 kids, the, there's one guidance counselor, two guidance counselors right. for 5,000 kids. They're picking the top students because that's all they have the time. It's, 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 and the system... It's crazy. It's, it's rigged. crazy. Yeah, it's I forgot rigged. about the National Merit <clears throat> Oh, it's, yeah. it's I crazy. I got that because I... Of course I, you did. We, you know, we're, I mean, <laughs> you've got a 1600. I get it. We get it. You're smart. I didn't get a 1600 in school. I didn't get it. He got 1549. Exactly. No, I got... 1590. Well, see, this is a problem I had in school is that, you know, like... I went to a really prestigious public high school, like Shaker Rights High at the time. In was, Cleveland, Ohio? Yeah. My friends went there. I know it well. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, it's real good. It's real good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that good now, but, 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 yeah. but, but when I was growing up, it was, it was like one of the top five public schools in the nation. Mm. Um, but it had a real like like race and class issue mm. um, that, that... For all schools. You know, <laughs> well, I, here's my... I was, what, 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 the business thing is tricked out about it is that it's, because the, at, at Shaker, most of the teachers, because it was... Uh, Shaker had really, really high um, property taxes. So the teachers couldn't afford to live in Shaker. Yeah. And, they, oh, and, oh. and so they had to live in this other, on the west side of town. And the west side of town was like, was like known for being like the very racist side of town. Mm-hmm. So these, these teachers came from where it was a hotbed of racism mm-hmm. to teach at the <clears throat> school wow. that had this thing where they would allow a certain number of black kids who live within a certain number of blocks of the border of Shaker and Cleveland to come mm-hmm. to Shaker. Mm-hmm. So it was always just kind of at this rough was this and the battle shit. of Shaker Heights? <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I, I was interested. <clears throat> so it was, you know, so it was, it was very hard for me to perform well in school. Like, I, I yeah. Mean, I, I mean, the th- thing that allowed me to go to college and not go to like, a community school is because I got like a 32 on the ACT. And I got like, you know, there was like. He's four, just like a score <laughs> bragger. No, no, no. No, 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 no. I, I, bring, this, I bring this up because, because these are things that happened that, 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 that no one told me about. It's just that there was white kids who I knew who were very smart who were taking these things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I should do this too because they're not smarter than me. Right. In my, in my head, I would say they're not smarter than me right. I mean you know whatever and so like so I so for me this is why I say it's like the parents don't know right but yeah and my, and my parents knew certain things but they didn't know all these things these kids were doing like these, little, like these study groups after class after class with just the students mm-hmm. and I was like this is what they do you know, to to catapult yes. right. and jump around, and I was like, like athletes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, like, <clears throat> why isn't anyone else doing this? And why are the like the black kids not doing this? So well, but and to me, I I don't even think it's it's race and color in that way. I think our biggest fight in America is socioeconomic, and that becomes a race yes. conversation yes, of because yes. of America. But to me, I think socioeconomic is the biggest issue of oh, our completely. time that we're facing, right? Completely, and even. You know, I have 
I have a thousand horror stories, but we have a kid, such an amazing animator, but he was, I'm like reading through his IEP report and it's like, they can't afford glasses. Mm. So he can't see the board. Mm. So he's acting up at school. So he's being sent in the principal's office. Oh, he can't afford glasses. He can't afford glasses. glasses. No, no, glasses. And so he's, he, he can't articulate that he can't see the board, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever is happening. So he got sent to the principal's office and we just like, Got him glasses and put him in the front of the room. I was saying, t- I'll, I'll, fix, I'll, right, fi- but, I'll get him the glasses. But it's a fixable problem. problem. Yeah. And to me, like, that's right. a thing. It's like, so then, and I'm sure you've had these conversations. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of conversations with people like, well, we're trying to recruit diversity out of colleges and we're not finding anyone. I'm like, yes. Because going to afford that class. That's correct. Because the system is broken. Right. Yeah. You know, and if you don't have all the things, you know, even um, I, I work with a lot of schools to get uh, the college admission waived. You know, it's one hundred and fifty dollars to apply to one school, to yeah. one school to, school to apply. Yeah. So that's why kids don't apply to a lot of colleges. Yes, one hundred and fifty dollars. I didn't graduate from high school, so I don't even know. Look. No, it's money. <laughs> but the thing about that too, but again, but to your point about the socioeconomic, is completely that because. You know, if you can't, there's, there's a bunch of people that I know, like like when I was at school and I told them that like I wanted to do graduate school in film. I didn't, but I, I was thinking about it. It was kids I knew from Detroit and, and, and they were like, why would you do that? Because that's like, you know, $300,000 for a degree that, 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 that it's not going to start paying you once you start getting out of school. And you have all this debt sitting around and you can be hoping to make a career out of something. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> and, but then I said to myself, "But that's just grad school. I bet you it's the same. I bet people think the same for just for undergrad. They're yeah. not going to go because they, and they wouldn't take an art degree, correct? Or go to an art class because they're like that's you know it's, that it's, it's stupid, right? Yeah, Quote it's, unquote. Well, right? because it's, it's, it's not practical. I mean, yeah, it's really, it's really, and this is the thing too about being artists and stuff like that. It's a really fascinating article which I'll link in the show notes. Um, last Sunday, there was an article about. Black avant-garde artists who are now in their 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 seventies and eighties who are Ooh. finally getting their due really? because when they were starting their careers after getting out of art school in the in the sixties they were and because they were doing is that a doc or is that a just just a article just article sound like a good doc yeah um, and there was yeah, notebook comes yeah, out notebook comes out yeah and they were saying these people. It was this really weird predicament. They were saying that because they were doing abstract art, um, the black artists didn't uh, like didn't gravitate to them because their art wasn't trying to like right. like, like do right. struggle art. Right. right. And then the white, like you know, like you know, like gallery owners up were like, it's not black right. art. Right. Right. So yeah. Just, uh, right. No, 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 no. So <clears> these, <throat> these people toiled. You know, to now they're like in their seventies or eighties, and they're finally getting stuff bought at like half million dollar, million dollar mm-hmm. canvases, and they're like, "Well, this is just good legacy money for me." But it's like, think about that. Is like, but that, but that's the 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 the, the current uh, language in the community. Right. Even if you were black, when blacks like like were free to go to these art schools, they couldn't make no money at it for the last fifty years. Wow. You know, it's- so. Yeah, yeah they, they have like one or two. There's one or two. I mean, these people, Basquiat, you, yeah, yeah. you know, but Basquiat <clears throat> didn't make any money. When yeah, he was alive. Uh, he was yeah, that's, dead, that's, right? yeah. You know, and his t- when he was alive, he didn't. Mm-hmm. He did, you know, well, that's and and not to. I'm sure, Hillard, you have other things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Why I am such a proponent 
of actual of film is because there's so many great union jobs. Right. There's so many great jobs that you don't have to go to college. You know, we talk about hair and makeup, production mm-hmm. design, art mm-hmm. design, costume designs. Like these are great union right. jobs that most of our kids. Every we, set has every those set people. Every set has on. those people. Set, right. And um, there was a whole <laughs> article about a. Uh, a lot of people talking about African-American, the lack of African-American hairstyles. Mm-hmm. And we talk about those jobs on, at Film to Future. Mm-hmm. And my whole thing is, if you don't know that's a real option, and if you don't know a way to get there, right. and you don't have a pipeline to do that, this we're going to keep talking about these problems, Agreed. you know? So yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of top-down diversity talk, which is important. Right. I'm obsessed with bottom-up. I'm obsessed with high school. I'm obsessed mm. with saying... Let's build a real pipeline so by the time our kids are 18, right. they're competitive for a PA job. They're right. competitive well, they, you know, they, for college. But they know. I mean, the, they, you know, they know it. Yeah, because you, you hear, you know, I remember reading, you know, like Paul Thomas Anderson and some of these guys were saying that, that, that they were making films in high school. Right. You know, and obviously they're shooting <clears> videotape <throat> back then, but, you know, it's so much cheaper now to, to do it. You know, but it's like, but you still gotta. But there's still like a formal, but there's a formalized thing that that you gotta kind of pick up in terms of like the craft. But that's, well, I would say even more on that. It's a socioeconomic, right? And, right. and I, people are like, well, you can shoot on an iPhone and Mac, right? And iPhones eleven hundred now, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. A Mac is three thousand, right? So even yes, you can shoot it in high school and you can shoot on your phone but that's it's still a bunch of money that's $4,000 yeah that's 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 what I was going to say I mean the the cost of these things have come down and all this non-destructive editing and like that but it's still an expensive um, but see the thing is is the kids have the phones you go into the hood, and the kids still some, have phones. Some, I mean, for the most part. For the majority. It's like, no, I, look, I, look, 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 they'll have the phone, that. but do they have the Mac mm, and, the, and the Final Cut Probably Pro? Probably not. Kind of stuff like, Probably not. Know? Well, I'll say no. Yeah. So, <laughs> I also know because we are working to get computers donated for yeah. our kids so they can have it at home. So, yes, a lot of people have the iPhones, but they don't have Adobe. They don't Correct. have Final Craft. They Correct. don't have um, Final Draft. Final Draft mm-hmm. You know, So, it's still, a, you know, Final Draft is... Three hundred dollars, yeah, at least. Right? At, least. at least, right? It's still like, and every year you spend another hundred just to, to update to it. Or That's so why you get John August's Highland, <laughs> right? I, I don't mean to be that person, but get, it's only forty two dollars. Get that, and you yeah. and you got it. So. Yeah. And but, then you can work in Prime, so it's even better. Yes, it's better. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, that's my whole, like, I, I think if we really want to change the conversation, we have to build real pipelines in high school. You have to. You, you, the, 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 there's no, um, it's, it's just a known thing that, um, it's, this is not my experience, but I've, I've, I've heard people <clears throat> say this, is that if they hadn't seen a person of color doing something, then they, they well, then they don't think that people of color can do it. A hundred percent. Well, let me just say this: we've been, you know, you've been part of it too. For the last five or six years, we've been. I'm, sorry, I'm not afraid to say this. Even online, we've been having issues with NAACP with Image Awards because they literally will will send us like, here's all our movies from the Writers Guild for all all of us on the Black Committee. You know, here, you guys, can you guys vote for us? You know, right, okay, and then. When it comes to the award show, they don't even give us tickets. We have to go to the guild to give us tickets to pay for us to get tickets to go. Oh, and they also and do not put the. Bo- that's the, where I was going. Yeah. Oh. And and so so we were like, wait a minute, we're doing all this, helping them do all these things. They don't even send us there. First of all, they don't they don't they don't invite us, and then um, they don't even air it. 
on TV. It came on last night, right? They don't air the the they only they only want to focus on the big ones, the actors right. and the you know whatever the big movie, whatever the hell. I'm like. The kids need to see. This is why I'm saying this. Yeah. Kids need to see that a that a, that a person of color or whatever it is that looks like them wrote that movie or that that TV show. Seeing that is believing. And we, and when Lena won, because Lena's my co-chair, when when she won a few years ago the Emmy, we were like, "See, I told you, you guys could have had the same moment she had on the Emmys at the at the NAACP award, but you didn't do it. You know what I mean? And then when um um Donald Glover won at the NAACP, you guys could have did it then, but you didn't air it. You know, yeah. you are missing. Yeah, and the, pro- <clears throat> the problem with that is all the black, I'm, you know, I'm not taking anything away, you know. Try to get all riled up. No, 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 I'm no. just as riled up. <laughs> <that. laughs> I'm, I'm not saying you, you know, this is my point on that that I think is just it's kind of criminal, is that the black in front of the camera celebrities, mm-hmm. they don't need the publicity. Yeah, they right. honestly don't because there's so few of us. The ones who are getting the spotlight on them have got like five spotlights on them, True. regardless. And there's not one spotlight. There's not even one like. It's just there's not even a footlight right. on the you know the people who are the writers. Yeah, they're like all yeah. anointed right yeah. now. Well, <laughs> you know? well, that was the whole thing this year with um, the Academy Awards and them wanting to cut the cinematography and the right. Oscars. Right, Rachel Morrison, who I went to college with, her winning, seeing a female, you know, being nominated, flashing mm-hmm. to her, right. Mm-hmm was such a huge moment for every female DP, right? Regardless of race, right? Right. Just being able to have her face getting that flash, right? The cut to the Mm -hmm. nominees... Such a moment. The the shorts. Oh, take out the cinematographers. Oh, you didn't hear that? Fine, I mean, that was no, a I'm thing. Just saying. Oh yeah. So how can you take well, out the cinematographers? The, the editors and cinematographers is the only thing that what are makes you thinking? movies different than than theater. Well, but but even even they wanted to take out the shorts. And if you look at this year's winners, I think it was three out of four, and I might be getting this math wrong, but three out of four female, three out of four immigrant women who mm-hmm. won oh, the, the shorts, yeah. the shorts categories. Yeah. And to take out the category that happens to, if you look at the numbers, really focus on female and diversity mm-hmm. because it's a short and it's easier to do, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, this is crazy it's to not me. Easy to do. No, in terms no, I'm of getting a shot, yes, in terms of understood. getting a yes. shot, right? right? Like, yeah. y- there's a, you know, mm-hmm. the numbers have proven right. for the Academy Awards. And, and there's a lot more shorts that are made correct. than movies. That's correct. So the fact that you made it to the Oscars should be appreciated. Correct. And yeah. to show yeah. a woman, an immigrant, a first mm-hmm. generation, someone of color right. winning. Yeah, because there was that one about the the, the, the solo, the so, mm-hmm. like solo climber. I think that was like two women, oh, right. the two women who won that. Uh, it, it was a woman and a husband and wife team. Yeah. yeah. Is that on Netflix though? It's so I've good. It's scared the crap out of me. Oh, yeah. So you like good. right with them. It's there. real scary. But <clears throat> seeing is believing, right. right? And that's, yeah. I don't know where we were going with that. Okay. No, 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 yeah. no. We've written it up, we've yeah. written up, written up because of something that I said about how, not my experience, cause, but in terms of you, the pipeline. Yeah. It's like people need to see that people who look like them yeah. are doing this stuff. Absolutely. So they, so they know it's an opportunity. So they know it's an avenue to do. Yeah. And I, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I do this fun thing where I bring in, cause you know, I'm a producer mm-hmm. and I do a lot of commercial and branded content mm-hmm. stuff. And I brought in this uh, invoice hmm. of a one day shoot mm-hmm. for an actress who I won't name. Okay. Do you want to guess how much her, HMU for the day was hair and makeup. Probably, I want to say twelve hundred. Oh God, no, that's nothing. Fifteen, fifteen, thirty. Probably like six thousand, maybe thirty-five hundred, ten thousand. Really? And I bring in the invoice. 
And I say, and I'm including the assistants, right. like I'm including, you know, there, there's the, the kit rental, the kit like rental. Right. I'm an all. So they, they give you like yeah, full price, correct, right. Right. correct. And right. I was like, this is a one day shoot. Right. This is a real invoice I paid. This is a lot of money in a job that most people don't know exists because it's not highlighted at the Oscars, right? Nope. It's not highlighted the NAACP mm-hmm. awards, right? Like this is a real high paying mm-hmm. job in LA that is desperately needed. Right. And if you're good, and matter of fact, if you're great, and especially we talk about it all the time, you know, about black hair, which is very, very specific. Because oh, we watch, yeah. we watch a lot Jesus of shows Christ. and we're like, dang, I know black people are doing show. that hair. But, but again, like, pipeline, right? Right, exactly. right? pipeline. Yes. How are we introducing the next generation? Right. How are we encouraging it? Like, I think the awards, you know, it should be, we should focus on production design right. and art department and HMU and right. all the things that aren't focused because these are real jobs that we the people, need to the people, I like where you're going. I see where you're going yeah. with that. Yeah. That's good. It, it was funny on, on the acts, the, on, on uh, the, the Hulu shows on, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's no one black on, a, on the cast. What? <laughs> there's no one black in the cast. From really? It was. Well, well, on like the days I was there, just okay. a few people. Right. But, the, but, but there was a black, you know, like makeup guy. Really? There. I was like. <laughs> was, he, was he one of the key makeups or he just wanted the makeup? He was one of the keys. He was okay. one of the keys. But I thought it was funny because I was like. This is fun, but and he came from Atlanta because we were in Savannah. But I was like, "This is funny." But he's an old guy. He was maybe in his fifties or sixties, mm-hmm. and he'd been doing it forever, you know. Mm-hmm. But and I was like, "It, it was just as funny to me because I was like, this one black in it? doing his hair. Put this guy on Stranger Things, right? That's oh my god, that little black kid. Oh my god, hair on the lips of my." <laughs> More people in the pipeline. Yes, yes. I know. I like where you're going with that. We tend. You're right. A lot of times we think top down. We don't think this way up. I, I, I'm see, getting. What's, a, what's I love see, that. Well, you know, it's interesting. But this this is the thing too that I I don't. You know, like part of my uh, how I do is I I'm, I love looking at people's process and how people got where and mm-hmm. things like that. <clears> and <throat> I've noticed that um, as I'm doing this little study on. First-time filmmakers, I mean, first-time feature makers, and not first-time filmmakers, they've probably done other stuff, but first-time feature makers, do they have a budget of like $30 million or more? Right. right. You know, just putting together a list of people. And I've read a couple people, there's a guy named um, Len Weissman, mm-hmm. big director now, but he started off in the art department, mm-hmm. you know, and then from there he's able to jump. That's he's, a good transition. Because he mm-hmm. saved money enough, to, and he wanted to direct, and he did some music videos, mm-hmm. and, then his, and then his first movie was um, Underworld. Mm-hmm. Really? You know, yeah. He had done a couple couple music videos where like here's you know twenty five million dollars, but he wrote the script. But it's okay. like, but again, it's a top down way for how right. people kind yes. of moved in. Mm-hmm. And then what's her name is not didn't direct. She was a PR for a long time. Um, Ava DuVernay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like like Ava did that because it gets you in and it, and and you see the level of like required professionalism at all because people like like hair and makeup and stuff like that they are around to see everything mm-hmm. you know and they know everything yeah, they know everything because they see right. all this kind of like well, they're in the trailer talking about oh, the yeah. people and they come in there like what the fuck I said you know just all this kind of crazy right. stuff is going on a set and it's and they will and the, the, the women are in there for a while and they got to talk to someone about mm-hmm. shit that's going on right. or they'll hear it from other people and it's like but you see the level of what people what the producers are doing you see what everyone's doing you see what was required of you right. whereas a lot of times when you're doing PA work you know they'll keep you off set because they need you to do this 
not right. intentionally, but hey, you have to lock down this over here. Right. You know, we see a lot, but right. you know, so it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a another reason why you get those jobs. It's a good stepping stone because so much of it, as we were saying, kind of offline. It's not necessarily about we've seen it online about like the work you do. It's about how you are able to comport yourself yeah. to other people. Right. You know, that is what you know determines if I can put you in my room for for you know for 15 weeks for 10 hours a day. Yeah. We talk about that a lot a lot with my writers. I'm like you might not be the best writer for the job, but you will get a job because someone wants to, you know, be in the trench with you. Someone right. wants to spend 15, 20 hours a day, sometimes 5 days a week for 5 months hanging with you. Like yes. how how you respond to other people, how you respond to criticism, how you comport yourself. Mm. You know, like this stuff is what a lot of people, I think, especially young writers, don't realize. How prepared you are. Mm-hmm. Have you done your research? Do you come in knowing, you know, seeing if you get hired on a second season, having seen all the episodes of the first season, mm. right? Like that kind of professionalism, I think people don't talk about a lot. No, 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 because, because it's, it's like I didn't know about particularly television like how deep that you want to do certain kind of things like watch every episode something like that for preparing for these showrunner meetings stuff like that you thinking well you read my script and you love my script and so you want me on you and, and you want me on the show mm-hmm. no. <laughs> no, 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 no not even because, close because <laughs> what, what you find is you find people is that you know the showrunner is He's um, like he or she is uh, casting the room to to fill balances that he needs. So perhaps your script is not structurally that good, but you're fantastic with dialogue. I'm gonna need you because mm-hmm. I have three other guys, maybe upper level writers, who I know are really good with character and good with the structure and the action, but they're still not that good with dialogue either. So I, or, or they're good, but not as good as you. And I need you. And those are these little things that like no one's really telling you about, like like how they're designing the room. Mm-hmm. Um, like like when you're younger, you have to get in those deeper conversations with with the with the up, the upper level people because yeah. you know it's like they <clears throat> know so much about the show and what they need and like and if they've been if they've done it for a while, they just kind of know this. Like maybe I don't need just one person to do this. I need a couple people able to handle. And, and, yeah. and on top of that, if you come in like we were saying earlier about if you come in as an expert on something. Then that even makes you more interesting because mm-hmm. then it's, you know because then it's like I can just get you for being an expert. I don't need you to, to, to even write that well. And I don't even you know? want a lot of showrunners like I don't. Not only do I not need, I don't want you. I have someone who I trust to do that. Right. Yeah. I want you to do the thing I'm bringing you in for. Right. right. I that. need you for the story. Yeah. Whatever. Do that. Yeah. Exactly. Just do that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a lot that I mean. There's I mean yeah. There's a lot that people don't know and they need. Uh, I, 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 it's just like it's like trench warfare knowledge that no one typically talks about right. unless you're deep in the game and really trying to push on things. And then, and then a lot of times when people are younger, they don't ask you those questions. They ask you, can you read my script and uh, blah. And it's like, I, I mean, you know, like I can read your script, but I don't know what you want from me in terms of criticism. Do you want like overall criticism? Like, <laughs> you know, like, like this could be better. Or right. are you trying to say, you know, like be specific. Or do you want you to feed your ego? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want to, you want That's usually what they're you, looking for. You feed your ego or right. like be specific. Like you might say, hey, I'm trying to get on this show. Here's a genre sample mm-hmm. that I'm trying to do to get on this show. And you might say, this is a good genre sample, but 
don't be limited to doing a genre show with this because you might have done something in this genre sample that's really like unique and cool mm-hmm. that that if you can think this way then anyone would want you on a drama right. because you're thinking because mm-hmm. you're thinking in a weird way you know and don't worry about the voice and all this kind of stuff like this because there's other people who are going to do that or the showrunners are coming mm-hmm. and do that final draft anyway to make it sound the way he wants right. it to sound so that's that's the that's kind of like the thing that about television writing I think is so fascinating is that um, your voice is is important. But also not important mm-hmm. because you don't get to you know like to to say the final thing. But but the thing is, you have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. If you're okay with that, then you can really thrive. Mm-hmm. You know. But some people aren't. I mean, we had a situation once. Again, I'm just not going to name any names mm-hmm. here. But a client what was they name <laughs> a client was asked not <clears throat> was asked to not come back to a show mm-hmm. because he was a young writer. And he thought he knew better than the showrunner. <laughs> and he thought his job was to push the showrunner. <laughs> Who taught him that? I don't know. I don't know. What do we but, say about getting taught wrong? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, I was like, no, your job is to do your job yeah. well. Your lane. Your lane. Stay yes. in your lane. And by the way, do well so you can keep coming back and grow your credits. So then you're co-EP or whatever. You can sell your own show and you can run your show whenever yeah. you want. But being in TV is, as you said, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a game. It's like yeah. you have to write that sample really well and then learn how to kind of fit into the group to fulfill the showrunner's vision. Right. Yeah, because that's that's I, what it is. I gave people. I talk about it all the time because I do other people's podcasts and stuff like that. I was I don't know if you heard me on Pilar's last show. Yes, yeah, I'm behind. But <clears> you may have heard me talk about this before, but I talked about how uh, Miles sent me the script right uh, for Deadly Class when before I got on the show, and he was like, "Read the script and send over your best script, whatever." So I read it and I went, "Oh, okay, they have this strong voiceover thing. You know, it's in the '80s. Oh, I have this one script that takes place in the '80s that really does well for me." And I went, "Oh, but." Every time they do a voiceover, they italic all the... Oh, when they do the the slug lines, everything is bold. Like, I literally just changed everything. Right, smart. To make it look exactly smart. like that script. And and then I, I took it one step further, and we talked about this before, is I know that's a punk rock show. So I went, oh, one of my characters, I, I introduced him, he's always in black, because he's kind of like a weird kid. And I went, he immediately, he has a mohawk, he's got on a Ramon shirt now. Smart. You know, in the background, you hear the clash. I, I jumped it right into that. Smart. I'll never forget it when I went and sat down with him. Um, he's like, dude, your fucking script, I thought I wrote that script. <laughs> he literally, you know what I mean? So that, I, I'm telling there's there's tricks you can do too. Right. You know, why not adjust yourself to make it feel like, I can do your voice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because here's the great thing. And you guys, I was listening to one of your podcasts talking mm-hmm. about um, Sue Grafton and the typewriter. Right. It's a computer. You could just save, resave, <laughs> rename, like, real quick. You right. can use that script for staffing. Right. That, like, that's yeah, you can great, have all right? kinds of versions. Right. Like, totally. that's, well, yeah, that's you the know, great part. The thing, you know, I, I sometimes we talk about this. Guys have told me this when they pitch in shows. It's like, you got to know... The, the the audience that you're pitching to. So right. maybe your show is going to be this for HBO. <clears throat> then it's got to be this. You got to kind of tweak it if you're going to go to like USA mm-hmm. or tweak it again if you're going to, you know, like like each network has its own kind of um, stick. stick and <laughs> things they like and what they go for. And it's like, you know, like how do you write to that? And, and, and you want to be, you know, because the sad thing, this is a sad thing. 
and I harp on this all the time is 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 people's actual ability to imagine beyond what's on the page. Right. And to me, I feel like you know you like you, you have to insure against that. You got to say you know what I don't think I, I, I this person I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if if they can read my thing and say. Oh, I can see how he he be great for me. Yeah. I just need to be like recent earlier being lazy. It's I mean, and you have to you have to kind of like you have to you have to do extra work to account for someone's laziness, right. you know? Because and it may not necessarily laziness, but it also can be um, just the the inertia of like obviously when Miles and Rick were doing the show, it's like those guys don't have time to be like right. to really digging into something and like and oh, I mean, I'm gonna let this ruminate for like a day because mm-hmm. it's like I got to make a decision in three days for my whole staff's gonna be yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> that's the reason why they only read five, ten, yeah, ten pages. pages. Maybe, but yeah. that's kind of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I think you have to make this as easy as possible for someone to say yes to you, right? right? So I think, by the way, that story is brilliant. You just told, like, you looked at the script, figured out how to change it, but it probably took to you an like, hour, maybe, two, maybe, maybe, two, maybe two, yeah. two hours. Mm-hmm. That's like one episode, two Yeah, because I had to go in shows, color. Right, right. You know? so, right. so t- two hours right. to get someone to help say a yes, right? right? And that's, I think, what a lot of people, the work a lot of, especially young writers, don't do. It's like... It's a bit of a game, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got to take that time and say, I'm going to take two hours that I could be watching a Netflix show, mm-hmm. or, and I'm going to just play with the slug Thank God lines. for that find button. You find right? it. Right? Copy it's it. so easy now. It's so easy. I mean, I think that young writers also don't know the work. Right. I mean, the work required, is, it's like... Um, uh, you know Billy Ray. You know one of my favorite guys. Love he has the. You know he had a line that he's part. It's on his um, Twitter from his uh, his. What's his show called? The Last Icon. It's, mm-hmm. it, it says, "I'm not talented enough to be be unprepared." Mm-hmm. Mm. And that says it all right there. That was a, like that mic drop. Right that's it. That's it. Yes. But you know, but mm-hmm. I know Billy, and mm-hmm. Billy's fucking talented. Because if you go pick up that script. <laughs> The page one of that script, you're like this. Off the chain. Look, look, I mean, look, it's talent or it's just he knows how to work right. smart. You can't help but turn the yeah. fucking page. Like, oh yeah. my, it's just like the right. language. You're curious. The, the you're language, like, what the fuck? I, like his language is so good. But right. I remember, I you know, we talking one time because I, fir- I first, I started becoming like, like good friends with him when he did um, the, <clears> the, the um, uh, Captain Phillips. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know? Okay, so great script. Yeah, yeah. great script. So so he's telling me that, like... You hear that, people? We read the scripts. <laughs> yeah. You know, so... You he, have so, to. So, so he's telling me that he's writing the script, and I think it's... Uh, and he knows... And when it's announced he's going to do it, he gets a little ping from his... Uh, I think the producer or someone that... Oh, Tom Hanks is interested in this. <laughs> Just a little thing. Oh, no, just a little, just a little, just a little thing. Just a little, just a little, little thing. thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool, cool. Whatever. He gets like, uh, whatever. Next, you're going to tell us what SAT score I get again. It's a little thing. Yeah. It's, it's, but, but he bright, but he's, I think, like eight or nine drafts in. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and the ship's got a different name. It's just called Maersk, the name of the shipping company. And I'm like, <clears throat> eight or nine drafts in? And these are printed out right. drafts that he's got bound and dated and stuff like that he's submitted in. And then when Paul Greengrass gets involved, Tom Hanks is still interested, but he hasn't signed on yet because they're hmm. waiting. They do, he does the four drafts with Paul Greengrass. So, wow. so he's just, you know, four, just 
top people. Right. But this is why, because he's got Paul Greengrass and he's got Tom Hanks saying, mm. better be good. Yeah. Right. No better pressure. Mm. No exactly. pressure. Yeah. I will green light this movie by adapting <laughs> yeah. myself. It's yeah, up to you. Yeah. Right. You know I need a nod for this, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> we're all on the same page here. But he's doing 12 drafts and there's 12 printed drafts that are printed and bound and like up. And he's already an A plus writer. A plus writer. And it's, and it's, and who knows how many polishes and little these little yeah, things he's doing right. like in between, but between each before he gets the version of print right. off, it's like that's the level of work you've got to oh. do to you know. To, I think that these young writers don't know because right. I think also what young writers don't know is like I'm, this is something that that that. I didn't know for a long time is that these 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 rewrites. Mm-hmm. People know about rewrites and stuff like that. Oh, you got to do rewrites and stuff like that. But the, but but those but those two week production rewrites that pay you like six figures, right. and you're like, whoa! Oh yeah, it's real money. Wait a minute, yeah. I got two weeks to turn around a draft, mm-hmm. and you're gonna pay me two fifty a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck, that's money. Yeah, that's more money. That, I mean, look, yes, there's the big sale. You like that? No, it's but that's, that's real money. money. Yeah, that's money. That's an assignment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my money. little assignments. I get that's some bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but to go back to your work, and it's actually yeah. going to tie into infamed Harvard mm-hmm. panel and our love affair of ranting <laughs> is. You know, my biggest pet peeve is when I get typos, mm-hmm. and if I get two typos on the first five pages, I will pass. Because it's not about the typo, it's about the lack of work. Mm. You're asking my time, but you didn't spell check, Mm -hmm. have a friend spell check, right? right? Like, it shows the lack of work, right? You know who I'm sure does not have typos? Billy Ray, right? Like, (laughs) I am sure he does it because it's about the work, right? right? I'm saying to you because it's like I'm working on a project... well, you know, I there's, there's scripts you keep out that you mm-hmm. kind of refer to to kind of like, you know, keep the fire burning, you know? And I have I, about five of them. Yeah. And Die Hard, Blade. Yeah, just, you, you know, know but... but, but kiss, but, kiss, bang, bang. Uh, but, uh, but I got the last tycoon script, you know? Mm, yeah. Because... Um, I just Is it lean? Because he's really lean. Yeah, it's lean, but there's <laughs> like... But he, you know, the thing I love about guys like him is they have these kind of like... Great ways to transition from scene, the, like the language they used to bring you from scene to scene. Like the mm. scene doesn't just end with like, right. "Hey, you know, like <laughs> I walk out the door," yeah. or or even worse, it ends right. on someone's dialogue because mm-hmm. then you're like, "Yeah, but how, this right. is there's trick- no button, right?" Well, yeah, because right. this is a trick that um, Scott Alexander told me one time. He he was like, "When you write a scene and you write lines, that's." Like someone's shooting that usually. They're mm-hmm. gonna shoot what you write right. because you're telling us something. So when a scene ends and someone says a piece of dialogue that's, that's supposed to that's supposed to affect someone, mm-hmm. show the effect. Show the effect. Right. Because that's the that's a shot. Right. Let's go, oh, I always end off an image. Yeah, it's you know, always an image. Um and it's but 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 guys who are really good know how to take that image and add another three line mm-hmm. another three words to take you into the next right. the next slug line or the next scene. And Billy's just a genius and that script right. is really good at that. Right. And just like I keep this open because it's mm. really good to look at. But you're right, no typos. And and and, and you know, as, you, as, your, yours, yeah, it's like it's I, it's where where. There's all that <laughs> thing. There was a thing that we were getting on at my rise group. You know, like we, like we were getting on someone about um, how do we do? Um, you write thirties. Like someone is in their thirties. Mm-hmm. You know, and some and is like, is there an apostrophe before the three? Is there a possibility after the zero? Mm-hmm. 
And I said, there's no apostrophe ever. Yeah, I just say know? 30 with a small S. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I said, no apostrophe ever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, because if you, if you put the apostrophe, in, apostrophe is like a contraction. Yeah, it's like yeah. 30 is. Well, yeah. well but, 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 it's, but it's like, it's, if you put it in front, it's a contraction. So you're saying that there was something cut off before. Right. That. So you right. could say 30s for 1930s. Right, I actually before. thought that's what you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying, yeah. Right. But, 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 but if you put... The third, the possibly between the thirty and the S, mm-hmm. you're really messing up. You're really messing <laughs> up. Um, well, I would say that to me, don't say thirties. Be specific. Right. Like, what's how every word should be conveying something to your point of like it's mm-hmm. a piece of info. So, I would say I'm just making this up. Going mm-hmm. back to our conversation, like instead of saying thirties, being like she's. You know, not eating pizza at Harvardwood anymore. Mm-hmm. That's the age she is, right? The more, right. like every word should be specific, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. so so this is what my friend. I want to be This is my this is my friend um, named Misak. He, um, he brought this up at that meeting. He was like, you know, from DMA. She mm-hmm. has a thing on her on her Instagram about that. She's got so the seventies with the apostrophe and the S. She was like, the typo that's on your resume <laughs> that doesn't cost you that doesn't get you the job. The typo throughout your script that's earned you a pass. Yeah. Yep. You know, the typo that I'm not going to argue with you about because you can Google. <laughs> Damn. That's, but it's true. Like, take the time. Damn. How, you know, we, we had a client and we used to joke with her all the time. Like, she, like, it would just, and then this happens a lot with writers. You see the right word. Right. This is scientifically, right? You see the correct word, mm-hmm. right? So she would have her dad read it for grammar. That's what I, my husband right? does. It. Like, I'm like, great. He, my husband's in Mensa. I'm like, yeah. bitch, you read it. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's totally cool. There's, there's, do that. There's, 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 you know what people don't like to do? Is, and it's the only thing I use for Final Draft. Mm-hmm. I, I use it for one feature. Final Draft has a way where the, 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 the thing will read the script to you. Mm-hmm. Really? I still yeah. don't know how to do it. I've never tried it. Yeah, you go in and you assign voices to the narrator and to hmm. all the roles. I've never and it's tried like it. there's men and women and it sounds computerized. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's but but what I do is when script when I've got the script ready to I want to send it to someone, I run it through there and I let it play and I just listen hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. And I pick up all the little extras like, oh, there's two those there. Oh, that right. I might my eye would just like your eye will yeah. flick it out because right. you know the sentence is so right. strong. And then I'm gonna go, okay, and and, and then what and while that's playing I have a the uh, a hard copy of it open, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I hand so right, circle so everything. Yeah. But 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 I'm not reading off the hard copy. Right, I'm you're just listening. listening. I go, oh, where was that? And mm-hmm. because because you your your mind knows how to fill in stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. To yeah. Trick you completely. That's yeah. why. And that's why I always tell people I can open up a script and go, oh, they've never read this yet. I can Correct. just tell them. Always, away. always. You know what I mean? There's something to it. Like I had one of the, I have a lot of kids who come and hang out here. <clears throat> and they write and stuff. So one of them made it. He'd like just. He was all excited. He's like, "Hill, uh, I don't want to interrupt you, but he's looking like the first five pages." And I says, Mm-mm. "And he looked at me like, like, oops, like that across the line." And I says, "Connect yourself to the computer, make a copy of it, get get a red pen, go downstairs to the little patio and read, read it. it. Yeah, out loud. Yeah, out loud. You know what yeah, I mean? Out loud. Go through it with a red pen yeah. and come back up here, fix it." And then I'll look at the first five pages. So true. He came back and he had something on every page. And I went, see? Have to read it out loud. <laughs> exactly. And it's so interesting you bring that up because I was just talking to a big executive and I had never heard of this, but she has this app hmm. that, because she's a really long commute, and this app takes a script and makes it computerized and basically makes it a podcast so she can what? get... That's what I said. So she. You got to find out what that is and tell me what I it is. I want to say <clears throat> voice app, voice hmm. free, vo- something. Oh, wait but, a minute. Wait a minute. I know this. Wait, wait. Here, yeah. let me finish. So here's the crazy part. 
and she can set the speed on it. Yeah. So you can double yeah. it, four exit or whatever. So she, so, and I had never heard of this, but she will get, you know, someone will submit a script. Mm-hmm. She'll put it through this voice app thing. She'll listen to her in her car. So she, while she's distracted, great, because you're driving. Right, right. And she will pass if the script is not good on a podcast, right? Yeah. Or on a... On a read. On a, a read, read, right? So to your point, which I think is really smart, is if if you know that executives and actually know another executive who does it for books that they're thinking of buying, if you know that you're someone has might be in a long commute mm-hmm. and be listening to it, listen to it first. Make sure that right. it's reading the way you want to. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to... Um, Again, it goes back to your earlier statement about this is a performance business. Everything is a performance. The reading is a performance. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, it's just one of these. Uh, Especially to an advanced producer or executive. I mean, they they've read so, so many. They've read. You have got to be. They they have to be visualizing it on the screen. They have to be sinking in so that they forgot that they were reading. Yeah, they, you know what I mean. I mean, I I, I people who. If you're under 30, I have two <laughs> gripes with you if you're under 30. Um, so glad I'm way love, past that. We still love you, millennial bitches. But, you know. it's, 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 I have two gripes with you is that you don't read enough yes. and you don't watch enough movies. Mm-hmm. And you think you watch enough movies, but you really don't watch enough movies. <laughs> I was, I mean, it's just, that's my thing. He's a cinephile. I, I mean, no, I, I know. I, 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 I listened to you watch three movies in one night. I was like, hey. I'll put everybody on blast because it's like, you know, because I'll give you an example of why this is the case, right? Mm-hmm. So in my writer's group, we're, you know, and my group knows that I've just psychopedic knowledge of movies. Right. And we're writing, and there's a woman, she does a scene, and it's like a, she used to do a montage, right. to to, like a training montage, you know? And she did like five pages, and a five page montage. That's yeah, ridiculous. and it was it was, <laughs> it was too long, and and so my one so Steve was like, I just counted up, and you have like you have like twenty four different little pieces in the thing. Mm-hmm. Now she's a she's a young writer, so I'm mm-hmm. not gonna like blame her on thing. She's <laughs> like, well, I'm trying to figure this out, blah blah blah. And Steve was like, well, because he's writing this big movie, Alcon. He's like, yeah, Alcon. Like like I'm doing these things, and they're like, no no no. Like it's like four or five. Beats. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. And Flashes. It's, and right. it's telling a story. It's not mm-hmm. just happening. It's telling a story. Right. And it's moving through time. It's moving through yeah. time. All right. this kind of stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, like the classic one, I was like, no, I haven't seen this movie in probably 25 years, but there's that training sequence when, in Rocky Three uh, yeah. when... When Stallone goes to meet Apollo, mm-hmm. and it's it's great because it starts off and it's like we start off and 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 they, and, and they run on the beach, mm-hmm. and and Apollo just leaves him in the dust, dust him, and and then it's totally. this, this is really great little with right. the eye of the tiger thing, blah 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 mm-hmm. blah blah blah. At the end, the last beat on that is is that they run on the beach again, mm-hmm. and it's a tie yep. right. for a long time, and then right. it, and it kind of and then it freezes before you know. That's at the end. Yeah, you don't but know who really won. Yeah. Yeah. But it's this yeah. thing where it's like you've learned something, and she's like, "Yeah, but that's kind of short." And I, and I was like, "Oh, oh!" In Dirty Dozen, there's, in Dirty Dozen, there's a montage. Uh, this actually, like, what's this movie? This, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've never heard of. What's yeah. this movie? I've never, I've never heard, heard of. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of. We all saw that. Coming. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I said, "Dirty Dozen." And I, I was like, "I said, you know what? It's 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 like it's like and I said it's like uh it's it's like thirty five minutes in." And there's this scene that they, they they leave the barracks, I mean the prison, they go to this place and they have to make their own buildings and all this kind of stuff. I said, but it's fascinating because it's a, it's actually a 10-minute montage, mm-hmm. but it's broken up with little like character scenes throughout that show you about the character. And I was like, so if you want to do both, right. 
then here's an example of how they do it. And it's just really cool moments and just doing mundane shit. And then it, there's these spikes and back, back, back. And, and I was like, so that's how, if you, if you, so, so if you're into a five to eight minute montage, that's what you need to do. Right. Here's an example. Here's an example of how to do it. Don't yeah. do it. But, no. but, but you, you know, but yeah. you can. But you yeah. can if but you've it, seen it done before. And, and yeah. you just got to do it. You do real well, really really, yeah. And that's the example because right. she was like, "What's an example?" And I was like, "Uh, I had to go to the bathroom." And I was like, "What is it? What is an example?" Yeah. I was like, "This," right. because but it's like a rare film to even try to attempt that. And that's a big ensemble right. movie with like fifteen characters. Right. You all get to know really well, so it shows you a lot about. It's a really specific way of how and to do that. It's something you would see in in the movies of like, let's just say the seventies, eighties, and sometimes even the nineties. Where around page forty forty five, there would be this big montage moment, usually with music. Yeah, yep. he's yeah. got this. Yeah, like the, the great cue. The they character, got a great cue. The character yeah. finally picks up the sword and starts. Yeah. yeah, you know, and by the end of yeah. it, they can fight, mm-hmm. and then by page sixty, they fall because they lost. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like some bullshit. Yeah, I mean, right. yeah, I mean, in that movie, like the Dirty Dozen is like two and a half hours long, wow. so that moment happens. It happens in the beginning of, this, of happens in the beginning of the. Uh, I mean, it's like it's, yeah, so it's like it's like thirty five minutes in, but it okay. happened. I guess that's so it's the, the beginning of Act Two. Or beginning something. of Act Two, but it's a long movie, mm-hmm. so so they can do that. I mean, right. yeah, for m- most movies, aren't gonna be two and a half movies long, so so you got to maybe curse that down to like maybe a two minute thing. Unless you're Aquaman, <laughs> <laughs> two and a half hours. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see it, but because I it's love him, very, I have so many questions. You know what? You know what? The, the the Avengers the Avengers of Infinity Endgame is clocked in at, at, at 188 minutes. It's crazy. Wow. I'm like, there's no stakes in that movie too right. because I know that there's no stakes in the movie. Right now I know there's mm-hmm. stakes in that movie. They don't die. Thanos <laughs> <laughs> does. So right. it's really anyway. Anyway, um, t- but I wanted to hit right. that point because I actually think it's more to me for a new writer. It's more about reading scripts, right? Yes. Oh yeah. Because watching is great, right. but if you're learning the craft, seeing someone break it down, and here's the crazy part: everything's online. You could Everything. find any script online. Everything. So why are you not downloading great scripts and read or bad and bad scripts, yep. right? Well, that, that's, the Oscar scripts are free. Well, yeah. Look, look, that's what I'm saying. Two things: you haven't watched enough movies and you haven't read enough. Yeah. The one thing that I do a lot is. I don't do as much now, but I used to when I was really f- focused on the game. Is um, I see a scene in a movie and I say, like, "How the fuck did they write that?" Because mm-hmm. sometimes you watch a scene and it's so well, con- it's so well crafted, just the way the filmmaking right. is done, right. that you're like, "Wait a minute," because mm-hmm. they had to write that, and you know, to know how to even shoot it that way. And I encourage and it that. It teaches you a lot. It teaches every, you a lot. You're right on the money. I mean, all the young writers who hang out with me, like I've. I've paid for writers to go take classes at like Pilar and stuff right, like right. that. But I always tell them, and I, was, and I say that because I don't have time to teach you, right? So I'm like, I need you to go there and learn. That's a style that I'm familiar with, right? For me, I said, go over there and learn. I said, or you can sit for a month and read these scripts and we can have a conversation about it, you know, when it's all done. How many people do that though? Hardly anybody. Correct. Because you know what I mean. You know, yeah. they, they don't care. Yeah. I don't think they don't care, but they think there's a. They think there's a. There's they a, get too busy. I'm yeah. like, bitch. I was busy when I read two a day yeah, they, for they, two, two years day, in a dude, row. I was re- I was reading when I worked at Red Wagon. I was right. reading three or four a night during the weekday and thirteen, 13 on the weekend. Thirteen, 13 on, on the weekends. That's why. And writing five page coverage on every single script. That's right. why we were saying that one time. The last, I think, with the baby writer thing, I was saying you got to write in a way because you know you're reading. There's so much on the. There's the reading so much on the weekend right. that you know you got to write in a way to like keep them <clears> engaged. Because <throat> if they're not engaged, they're gonna be like, you know, I got time for this. Right. Well, I think it's even worse now, and this is what we tell writers: you have to think about it. 
someone, we're talking, a mo- let's talk about TV series. It's $100 million, right? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. A ton. And the person saying yes, their wife is calling, their husband is calling, their kids are crying, their phone's ringing, your phone's going off now, the light's flashing. You know, no, I'm just saying, like, there's so much distraction, mm-hmm. right? That how are you going to cut through the noise to get someone to say yes to a hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. right? I think that's, well, you know what? That's something that, it's something mm-hmm. that I've said a lot on this podcast. I tell people, when you're writing a script, it is not about you telling your story. It's about you got to say that someone else has to want to gamble invest, $100 yeah. million dollars on you. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a That's story. right. It's not even an investment. It's, 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 a, it's a gamble. It's a gamble. It's a gamble. And most of these kind, this is what I talk to writers a lot, think about this. Most of these companies are publicly traded companies, which means they have to report to their shareholders, yeah. which means their jobs are on the line if they gamble wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's not personal money. It's shareholder money. Yeah. Right? So you've got to write something and pitch and present that they're like, I'm going to trust you with $100 million and my job and maybe my family's whole income, right, if I'm the sole supporter. And my boss's job. And my boss's job, right? Like, how do you get to a yes? And let me tell you, it's not typos. It's not not having done the reading or done the work, right? How do you get someone who's distracted and stressed, who has bosses and bosses' bosses to green light $100 million? One season show. One season. Oh, oh, right. That's true. Here's something that that my manager was telling me too, which which I think is a good point too that a lot of people don't realize is, terms of like the type of content you create, because he was like, you know, if you make something that, you know, the people don't want to spend their time like in a world they don't want to spend their time in. Right. I don't care how good the writing is, if it's really complicated or very like, you know, maybe it's taboo or whatever it is. Right. They're deciding or they're saying to themselves, I might have to not see my children or my spouse for a, right. f- a few hours every night because I want to be in this world mm-hmm. longer. You know, so you, right. you know, I was like, that's a good point too. So you can't. So th- that is why sometimes you read stuff that's kind of fascinating, but you're like, they can't make this. And I was like, they make my show, but they're not making cool shows. I was like, who wants to spend time in this world? Who wants to spend there's, 14 hours? Yes. Right. right? There's that's a lot a, of that. Yeah. A, you know, so you have to, so there's all the stuff you gotta like be considering that I that's why it's it's a it's it's beyond just you telling your story. If you if you want to tell your story, then you better write a novel, mm-hmm. you know, or a graphic novel. Because then you know you, you know you know I think this is an disagree on that because but, there's right. so many people who who are who are betting on that too a graphic novel the artist it's so expensive right, right? yeah same for a novel the marketing i have i do a lot of ip so i know mm-hmm. how many they sit in green light meetings and literally you have the the marketing the green light committee and they have to present a case for every novel hmm. 12 departments have to sign off right so like everything Unless you're self-publishing, totally. Well, that's fine. what I'm saying. Yeah. You, you, I mean, it's, it's, sure. it's, you can self-publish a novel. Hundred percent. I mean, yeah. It's in the, I get the book, the book publishing game is its own is its own trick too because 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 those people don't even want to give you a, a contract unless they know that they can sell you as a person on top of selling. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. I was, I was just gonna say this. You and I were talking about this a few weeks ago with with my rep. Is I. I tend to, and we haven't had a long talk about this, but I'm, I mean, I write a lot of different things, but my go-to type of things, I love underdog stories in like the murder, death, kill world. Like that's just me. And it tends to be things that are historic. I love the past. 
I'm an old soul. Right. You know, it's just, so I was explaining that to my rep. I'm like, dude, I'm an old soul. He's like, every time I turn around, you got another, it's amazing, but it's like way back then, I was like, that's what I'm drawn to. And then this new project fell in my lap, and I said, see, it comes back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, well, you know, I, they, I know my lane. I know what I'm really, really good well, at. Well, yeah, you know your lane, and you're good at it, and you've got ideas about like, how to make it contemporary? Right. I think the I think I, to me the, the 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 initial resistance on anything that's not contemporary or even futuristic is uh, how, like how does it appeal to us contemporarily? That's the thing. Right. And I'm always like, well, you know, people talk to you about TV. It doesn't matter no matter what it is. Well, they want to know why now. Right. Mm-hmm. So 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 there's a why now for for anything. I mean. Number one, it's like um, people are always like rehashing old subjects. Not like I don't mean in a bad way, but it's like you know, like there was a really fascinating, you know, like um, two part like Hitler biography that came out like, two years ago. It was a really like exhaustive thing, and you kind of say to yourself, "Hadn't there been enough stories about?" It? I mean, like, are we, like we've right. heard right. stories quite a bit. <laughs> What's their, you know... Like every 10 years, there's some, some new doctor. Every 10 years, I was going to say. More than yeah, yeah, I was like, every <laughs> year and a half. It's like, here's this two-volume thing. Let's get this this, this dual-page right. thing in the New York Times because someone found a way to make the, to make a old, super familiar right. story about a guy that we know, at, like, I know him fascinating again. Mm-hmm. That's always the trick with whatever you're doing, unless you find something that, like... That no one's touched upon, mm-hmm. but that's but the, but but then there's the trick on no one's touched upon it. How do we know it's gonna sell? Well, my personal belief, and this is what I tell clients, is like every idea has been pitched, every idea has been out there. You just have to assume that, right? right. Every executive has heard every kind of thing. How you execute, how you make it contemporary, how mm-hmm. you make it yours, why mm-hmm. you, why now? But yeah. you've got to go in assuming someone has pitched that story, right? right? Nothing, That's a good way to look at it. That, yeah. like, just take, it's going to make your life so much easier, right? If you just assume someone has pitched it right. and then figure out how your voice and your version should be the one that gets $100 million. Right. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I There's a comic friend of I, Comic acquaintance I know named, named uh, Warren Ellis. I remember like maybe 15 years ago he mentioned that he said is his thing called is it, he saw it um, idea space. Hmm. You know the ideas you have they're sitting somewhere that you know and there's a and, there's, and you put your hand in and you grab an idea, mm-hmm. but but everyone else has already put their hand in that same spot and has grabbed it yeah. mm-hmm. or grabbed at it. Mm-hmm. And I remember this because there was a dark horse comic that was called the Territory. They came out the same summer as The Matrix, and it's literally the same the same story as The Matrix. Really? Like literally, hmm. it was these guys who were in a world that was crazy, and but it wasn't sci fi out. It was like more fantasy stuff, and but you know at the end of it, these guys were in a tube, and it was a simulation, and they had to hmm. break out. And I was like. You know, and then like a few months later, there was a story that it was the same story of, like was in a Fantastic Four comic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, 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 three stories that are exact. Now, granted, they're all kind of comic-y space thing, right. but there's no way that those guys could have like seen the one and tried to copy right. it because there's so much lag time for everything. Right. right. And I was like, they're all reaching for the same idea. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just well, it, there's only so many ideas right. too, you know? right? And truthfully. <laughs> We're all telling the same stories about human and human yeah. emotion, right? And that doesn't change, mm-hmm. right? So it, I just have found, because I've had a lot of clients being like, that person heard of my idea and stole it. I'm like, no, no, no. That's the, <laughs> no. the story's been out there. Focus yeah. on your take on it. Why you? Why now? And, and I talk about this a lot. And, and 
what when I learned this, I learned it from Dustin Lance Black, and we used to hang out at the same coffee shop. And this isn't just my story, but he talks, he tells this to everybody. I literally was sitting across from him every weekend. I'd be like, "Where were you?" And he's like, "Oh, I was in San Francisco working on this milk thing." And I'm like, "Milk?" I'm like, "Are they doing like three other scripts <laughs> on that?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he stopped and he went, "I got to be first. It was so nonchalant, like I don't care." And then he said. He said, he said, he said, yeah, he said, he said, I got to be first. He says, they can have all the things that they want. They can, they can have 10 scripts. It's not going to be my script. And I was like, God damn. That's what made me write Sylvester. Well, see, you know what? There's a really good book that I was reading. Um, it's called um, The 21 Immutable Laws of Marketing. Hmm. And the guy was saying in the book that, that one of the laws is, you got to be first on something. And if mm-hmm. you're not first, you can still come out. But you got to be so much better right. than the first one to even get people's attention. Because because otherwise it's like why even do it? Right. And then and, and they were like and some people can, they were like his and his argument was like it applies to everything, but he's like now some people can live in that second position thing and be okay because it's perhaps the market is, is that big and his reference was like coke and pepsi you know like coke is, is out the first and has stayed on top for a long time and there's times when pepsi kind of like moves on but it's typically pe- coke has got more sales kind of stuff right. so so as i said but it's like with art is different the art the way that ta- the way we consume stuff we really <clears throat> don't want to see the, the same version of the same, you know, a, a similar thing, mm-hmm. so um, so close to each other, you know. So you, so someone else, so someone else like doesn't mean you do. I mean, we can't do three asteroid movies. We can't. Do- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, that's a, that's a great example, like the right. asteroid movie and that. What's the first impact? First impact, right. and, deep impact, and Armageddon. Deep, Sorry, deep impact, impact and Armageddon. And then there was the one about the volcano. There was, uh, uh, but there's that's, there's a th- there's a Bugs Life and an ants. Right. Yeah, Hill. yeah there, it, there's you, millions. You, you, they come out, but the second one like never does the right. same. It's always kind of like a ran behind, and it might even be a better movie. Like I remember White House. I remember the White House Down, mm-hmm. the one with Channing Tatum. Oh, yeah. and uh, and uh, Jamie Fox mm-hmm. was a better movie than the one that 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 um uh, the Anton Fuqua did. It was mm-hmm. uh, Olympus right. Has Fallen, right. and it was. I mean that that one they rushed it out first. It was it got out first. It got a big money, mm-hmm. but it was it was under budgeted. And obviously they're gonna do this hundred million dollar <laughs> thing with Jamie Fox, and it's. Way way cooler of a movie in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, more nuanced, but but it doesn't do real because everyone's like I've seen that. Right. You know, if it came out now, maybe it'd be more. Well, I don't think they care about the president now. So <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, um, let me ask you a question. So, with your with your company, um, um, what do you guys look for in writers and stuff like? Can I? Because people are going to be asking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I kind of I have two things. Okay. One. I like to say that your voice is so specific mm-hmm. that I could rip off the cover page, send it to an executive who has read you before, and mm-hmm. they would be able to say, I know who this is. Hmm. So a very specific voice to go back to your point of like, why you? Right. Why should I be working my ass to help you? It's because your voice is so specific. Right. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the second thing, and this is... It's funny because I keep referencing the baby writers. Oh, it kind of ties into that. Is, I stop. I stop calling people baby writers now. Well, I That's was going to bring that thing, up. Yeah, but yeah. It's fine. It's fine. So the second thing <clears throat> is, and this is this is very important. This is right. m- almost more important than how good you write. Mm-hmm. Is the work ethic? 
You know, I as a manager, producer, and someone who runs my own company and has a nonprofit, I am working seven days a week, right. 15, 16, 17, 18 hours a day. I've mm-hmm. been on calls with clients at Friday at midnight, mm-hmm. Sunday morning. The gift to you as a writer, you can work at 3 a.m., you can work at 5 a.m., you can work at 9 p.m., you can right. write at 12. I don't care. It could be 10 it minutes. Could be, it could be, <laughs> right. but, but if you are not putting in that time, why should I be putting in that time for you? Mm-hmm. And and then the comment back I get is a lot is, well, and this is very common, I have to work a 9 to 5 right. to write. I'm like, I get that. But I also go to the job right. and I'm dealing with Company things, accounting, chasing mm-hmm. money for you, right? Like you're the boss. I'm the boss. <laughs> exactly. You know, HR. Right. Like um, we're talking about moving offices. I've mm-hmm. been spending like a, you know once a week. We go and look at you know five hours a week looking at office space, yeah. right? That doesn't mean I get to not do the work for you, mm-hmm. right? I'm still sending out submissions. Mm-hmm. I'm still reading. You still have your, your phone. I still have like. Mm-hmm. I mean, like people. You know, look, people. People will find every excuse not to write. Correct. And mm-hmm. I think that. You, the, you know, there's too many stories of people who, who everyone loves who was toiling at right. some odd hour. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first met Andrea Burloff, we were talking, and I was like, how did you get your first script? And tell me that whole story. I just was curious about it. And um, it was... Is she the one who wrote? She wrote Compton, but, but, yeah, her, but her, first, her first script was, was The World Trade, Trade Center. Center. Oh, right, right. Sobbed yeah. hysterically. Yeah. Um, One of the best scripts I've ever read. It's a really good script. Yeah. That wasn't her first script. She was something else. She said. She said. Uh, she. Was, I can't believe she got here for something. She was like. Did you write, she wrote things we lost in the fire. No. No. This, that is, was this is a script that didn't get made. She right. Said, but 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 it got her someone. She knew someone new one and right. it, it those things. But she was like, I got up at four mm-hmm. every day and wrote for two hours, and then I started the day. Right. For like the world, be, I began to do things for me that I had to do, yeah. and it's like you hear those stories. I was listening to this interview on the way here with um, uh, with Neil Gaiman, mm-hmm. and you know he's got this new thing coming out called Good Omens with mm-hmm. his, with the late Terry Pratchard. And he was like, and and he, and he said that when he met Terry Pratchard, who before J.K. Rowling's was the big like writer in England that mm-hmm. sold tens of millions of books. He's like, but he, but 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 they met in like the late seventies or something like that or early eighties, and he was like, and Terry was working at like some steam engineering magazine, mm-hmm. and he just write at night mm-hmm. until he you know could not do that anymore. And uh, so he's not even just like working a job; he's working another writer job, right. Right. and then coming to write, uh, you know, to do now his creative writing. Hmm. And they and he was like, you know, and, and he was like, uh, uh, and then he just talked about routines, and, and you know, and 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 uh, and Gaiman was saying that he would kind of start, you know, like he started his routine. And he was writing Salmon at the time, and they're doing Good Omens, and he was like, I I'd start that at like ten and work till twelve thirty, mm-hmm. and it's that night, and then from twelve thirty. To two thirty, I'd work on book on, on books of magic, mm. and from two thirty to six, Jesus I Christ. would work on this thing with. Um, uh, when does motherfucker sleep? With, with, yeah. with, with, with <laughs> and then he'd go to sleep, and then he'd get up, he, and then he'd get up, and it's around two o'clock in the afternoon. I, mm. Then I get a call from Terry going, "I got some great shit for you, bastard," because he would send the <laughs> shit to Terry to read in the morning, right. and then he'd look at it. Right. You know, at the time now, now Neil was lucky enough. To have the type of job where he was he was working as a journalist, but he was working in comics and it was blowing up. So he was he was in that stage where he was um, his writing was paying for his existence. Right. 
but he had a kid at the time too. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you have to juggle right. and find these ways to juggle. And it's like the excuses, I don't have time is, are you taking your week and writing down what you do every hour mm-hmm. and, and trying to like figure out like where are you spending your time, mm-hmm. you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and it's good to know when you're, the, when you can write the best. Like, yeah. Like when, yeah. When, what's the what's window? What's the window? And if you? the window could be, you know, I because uh, I do a lot of work with authors. I mm-hmm. was I was reading there was this um, moms author club, and there were like four or five new moms, and they were all authors, and they would have this five a.m. club, and mm-hmm. they would text each other and make sure they were all up at five a.m. Different houses, mm-hmm. and they would be each other's support group, and they would write from five to six thirty, wow. check in with each other, and then go about their day. Mm-hmm. And that's the job. But yeah. that is also my job. I wake up. Often, mm-hmm. and I work from two a.m. to four a.m. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's when my brain, like, I'm like, oh, I did this and this and this yeah. and this. Right, so it's about the work ethic. Mm-hmm. Right, in a way, sometimes it's more important than voice. I mean, I can tell a great story without leaving any names. And that when a young writer, as a favor, she had a great script, mm-hmm. and you're going to crack up laughing okay. at this part. <clears throat> it was twenty pages out of thirty. To like a half hour, <laughs> and at first I was like, "Well, did my sister not print it right? Like, yeah, or right. did the PDF gotta go? Like, what's <laughs> happening? Like, like, what's <laughs> happening?" And so we sat down with her. I was like, Where, "Where's the other 15, 12, 15 pages?" She's like, "Oh, I just stopped writing." And I was like, "What? What? What? <laughs> like, why would you stop?" Right? She's like, "Oh, I just figured it was a really good twenty pages, and I just finished it at some point." <laughs> And I was like, and I you sent it to someone to to to, to be to possible wow. rep to, to be considered to, to be considered. And wow. I literally, I was like, I can't rep you. Mm. You are very talented. I am sure you will get signed somewhere, and I'm sure you'll have a career. Mm-hmm. But I personally can't rep you because I would never. It's like imagine I sent a submission for a client and like left out half the words, right? <laughs> and was like, oh well, I'm sure it's good enough. Like <laughs> I would never. She doesn't quite understand yeah, the format is like, what you're hearing too. Though. I was like, I, no, because she knew she was missing the 12 to 15 pages. She just, just didn't want to get to it. And, and see, again, it's it's the they want the shortcuts. Right. Everybody wants the shortcuts. Putting in work, I mean, I think it's because no one knows how hard it is. Mm-hmm. I honestly believe no one. I mean, that's why I told the Bill Ray story. If he's up here writing fucking 12 drafts, that this is the print, you know, because you, you know, how many polishes and little things you're doing before you print it out. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And it's like you, I do, you know, it's like I have this sticker from uh, my, uh, it's a magnet. What's the thing called? You put magnets on in the kitchen. Refrigerator. Oh. Um, <laughs> I really did not know. I was like, what? Uh, or somebody could say the frigidaire. Yeah. Frigidaire. Refrigerator. So it says, um, it's, and it's from Greta Garbo, and it says, it, you know, for people who dream of, ho- of Hollywood, they don't know how hard it is. You know, it's, this was probably right. 95 years ago, so yeah. I'm saying Jesus this. Christ. It does not change. It's only no. harder. Right. Because... Now there's more people. It's there's, more people, but right. it's, I think it's because of you saying about the distraction. That's... You know? There's you, so many... I mean... There's so many distractions, right? right? There, and there's so much content, right? Like, literally, before I came, I was like, okay, I have time to watch the pilot episode of Shrill. The and I was watching, uh, I was looking at a writer for something, so I was watching a couple episodes of East L.A. Mm-hmm. I watched, uh, I binge-watched all of the new Hannah in 24 hours. Really? It was amazing. Interesting. The first, do you not agree? I loved it. I loved it. I watched the first 15 minutes of the pilot. No, you have to keep, you have to <laughs> the, keep He always does that. There's a minute, scene... 
I don't want to tell you the scene. There's a scene in that first pilot episode that I think is revolutionary. Wow. When they're older, just let me know, because like I stopped right when they, that you cut from the escape to, to, to when she's now older. Um, it's before that. I think the scene when she gets her period is... Uh, 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 so, so it's older. It's so it's older. Uh, no, 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 the part I'm talking about is is that like as soon as Joel Kim and escapes with the baby. Oh yeah, no, it's after that. After, okay, that's where I stopped. That's why. Oops, I, I gave it away. But no. but like, right? There's so much to watch. There's mm-hmm. and you, you've got to be part of the conversation, right? So you got like everyone is so overwhelmed with how many books, how many content, how many right. podcasts, how many things, how many the cell, the Twitter, the Snapchat, the thing, the, 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 the right? Like trying to get people's attention in 2019 is incredibly hard, and mm-hmm. I think. Your writing or your short or your whatever has to be able to rise above and mm. say, pay attention to me mm. when your wife's calling and the phone is blinking and this and that and that. Like, and that's about the work, right? It's not going to be the first draft or the second draft or the fourth draft. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the 15th right. or the 12th. And it's about putting in the work. Right. It's a really yeah, long way to answer your no, question. Yeah, no, no, it's a great, it's a, it's a great, yes, yeah, it's, it's a great way to, I, I mean, that's, the thing is, is that, you know, we have this thing with the um, WGA, and they're going to be firing all the, the agents kind of thing happening. Um, and it's like managers know that... I got to call UTA this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the managers know that it works if you do the work. I can't do the work for you. Yep. And I don't want to vouch for you if I know that you won't, that, that, that you're not committed. Because I got probably ten people who are just who, are, who might be might even be better than writers than you, but who just aren't in front of me right now, mm-hmm. who are more committed, mm-hmm. or and and there might be ten people who are not as good writers as you, but are more committed. Hundred percent. Who I would put up because that the commitment is everything. Right. It's really everything. I mean, I tell clients all the time, I'm like, look, my job is to open the door for you and put you in the best position, but I'm not writing that script for you. Right. I'm not. Pitching that for you. Mm-hmm. You got to get in that room and close the door, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, sorry, and close and, and get the whatever, whatever get the metaphor. Job. Get, get the, the job, job, close the yeah, deal. Yeah, close the deal, deal. Right. right? Like, I can't do that for you. Mm-hmm. So if you're not doing the work, it doesn't matter how many doors I open for you or rooms you get into. Right. If you can't close, what are we doing here? It's, I, you know, I was, it was the last thing on this. Yeah. I, it's because I think <clears> people, <throat> it's my whole thing about this, the town. Like the town, it's not the town's fault, but the media covers the town. And it tells these stories that make it sound like it's easy for certain people. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, and the media has to tell those stories because they're so kind of like, whoa, that's, you know. Whatever. But those people, they're usually not these overnight sensations, but it's like that's what people outside the town are attracted to because it's making noise above everything else as opposed to, dude, I had to fucking write 15 drafts of this script before someone would even read it. Because right. that sounds like, why the fuck would you do that kind of yeah. thing? You know, if, if you, in terms of these outsiders, but it's like, but I want to tell that story. Right. And it's got to be that good, like, regardless. It's like, because I have to tell that story. So I got to put in the work that way. I mean, like, every writer, I don't care if you're writing screenplays, you're writing comics, you're writing novels, you're writing poetry, they tell you how hard they work. Because there's, and and they, and and they could be slaving over a sentence for a day. (laughs) Because, and it might be, it's like you always say, what's that first sentence? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember I heard, I heard Ethan Hawke say that one time. He was like, a lot of times I'll just go to bookstores and I'll read the first sentence of novels. Mm-hmm. If the first sentence is strong, I'll pick up the book. Mm-hmm. 
Always. Yeah, totally agree with that. O- always. Totally. Yeah. You know. Well, thank you, Rachel. It was we such a pleasure it. to be here. Thank you. Finally had I know. It all came from that panel. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to meet you. Exactly, exactly. It was great. Um, where are you at? You on uh, Instagram or Twitter or anything? Uh, yeah, uh, on Twitter, at Rach Miller, R-A-C-H-M-I-L-L-E-R, and uh, my nonprofit is at Film the Number Two Future. Okay, cool. Chris Derrick? <clears throat> Unauthorized CBD on Twitter and Instagram. That's what's up. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow me on Twitter. I say Twitter like I'm cool. <laughs> at Hilliard Guest, or you can follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, whatever you listen to. Give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. Um, please go on our new what? Our Patreon page. Because donation is love, people. <laughs> <laughs> donation is love. We've been doing this like almost five years. Ain't never asked for no money. We're like, we need to start asking for some money because this is expensive. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys. You, we also have a Facebook page. You can follow us there, too. Um, shout out to Lisa Bolacaja, wherever she is. I'm sure she's probably at the damn WonderCon thing, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it was <clears> packed yesterday. It was yeah. more packed than I, I suspected it would be, but mm-hmm. it was. So she's probably there. I'm sure. Uh, let me think anything. Yeah, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's it. A lot of good shit going on, though. So over the next weeks, you guys will be hearing about it. It's all yeah, good. Yeah, it'll be the, the nuclear explosion. I was going to say, I can't believe we didn't talk about it once. <laughs> our, our seven, it's T-minus eight days now. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. By, by the time this comes out, we'll know what's going on with the agency uh, agreement with the... <sighs> we just been dealing with it for weeks. I've been months. to like three or four meetings a week. I'm just done with it's it. Months. Uh, it's been since January, so... I know. <clears throat> anyway... So uh, thank you again. We appreciate you, Rachel. Awesome. Appreciate it. Um, can people submit to you, by the way? Because they're going to be asking me. You come with <laughs> referrals. <laughs> we are a referral only at Got this. Got it. Okay, good. So, you know, if you, again, to go back to hitting our theme of the episode, it's about the work. If you see our other clients and reach out to them and, you know, they refer to us, <laughs> great. But we are a referral only. Got it. That was that. Okay. Good. So good. join with me, Chris. Uh, on this show, you making me laugh, Rachel. <laughs> on this show, we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it work, Chris. 2019. 2019. Peace, Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the rent room